Hollywood is picking on Warner Brothers these days, but I don't think they're taking into account that Warner Brothers is really the only studio that will allow a filmmaker to make a risky, intellectual blockbuster. Sure, a couple other studios might let you take a risk. Certainly not Disney, but a couple other ones will. But they're certainly not going to give you a lot of money to do so. Now, sure, there are sometimes arguments behind the scenes at Warner Brothers because of this. I mean, imagine the stress they must be under. I mean, letting people, creatives, take huge risks like this. But I would say most of the time, it pays off for everybody. I mean, it's a pandemic. Not enough people are factoring that in to the equation right now. I mean, there's just really nothing that can be done. I think it's just a case of, unfortunately, just sucky timing for some of these movies. I mean, it's just... What can you say? This, you know, you pull the lever of life and up, you know, what came up? Pandemic. But the reason I'm bringing this up in this review is that Wonder Woman 1984 is a surprisingly risky film. I can't believe Warner Brothers allowed her to make, Patty Jenkins allowed her to, I mean, they allowed her to make this movie. As you can see, I'm flabbergasted. Even I, if I were a studio executive and this came across my desk, I'd be like, are you sure, Patty? Uh, I mean, I think she earned everyone's trust with the first film, but this is such a 180 from the first film. Let me tell you, there are two Wonder Women. I was talking, when the first film came out, I was talking to an editor at DC, and we t were talking about the fact that fans have two different viewpoints of Wonder Woman. Some people see her as the warrior with the sword and shield, and some people see her as the lover, not a fighter, who only fights as a last result. And the editor was telling me that even over at DC, they have that same division within the company with people as how they see the character, which is why she's portrayed both ways in the source material. And I find it fascinating that Patty Jenkins has now made two films reflecting that division herself. And two films, I think, that depict each side beautifully. But you just have to be... I think this is... I'm not sure which is the true Wonder Woman, but I have to say this is... This, this version of Wonder Woman is put forward so compellingly, and I was so moved that I'm I was in the other camp, but I might come join this one, because this is amazing. So in my initial reaction to Wonder Woman 1984, uh, you know, they, they lift the social media embargo first, so that those of us who see the film early can share our initial quick reactions before the review embargo lifts. So right after I watched it, I tweeted that the film is unapologetically Wonder Woman. And I didn't choose that word lightly because it takes real bravery to love your enemy. Win the day with compassion over force. Words over fists. I can't believe they have a fight in a movie where it's, it's, it's a verbal fight. You're like, what? But I was, I was so moved. And it takes just as much bravery in today's Hollywood, today's competitive Hollywood, Uh, and in an online that has an online fandom, small but vocal, that can sometimes be vicious and callous, to make this movie about such a hero so faithfully, I'd be like, "You're really not going to put more action in it?" And she to and uh, um, Patty Jenkins is like, "I'm not." And I guess Toby Emmerich was like, "Okay," and that's incredible to me. And it paid off. I think it did. We'll see how uh, the film is received. But speaking of action, Steven Soderbergh famously observed a man. Uh, they were both waiting for a flight, and Steven Soderbergh watched this guy watch a comic book movie on his laptop by fast-forwarding from action scene to action scene. And I believe that's what accounts for fans being able to rewatch a lot of today's blockbusters ten times or more during their theatrical release. Now, Wonder Woman 1984, as I said, might be surprisingly light on action, But you can rewatch it by going from emotional scene to emotional scene. And the emotional scenes are so good that I would argue that they are as satisfying as an action sequence. Now, some of you might be like, Poppy 
Cock Grace. That's a ridiculous statement. But you haven't seen this movie. I couldn't believe it. The feels. I, this, these were, she, Patty Jenkins, Free at 11, she broke the knob off of feels. I just can't believe it. I was an emotional wreck watching this movie. I cried so much watching this film. It was ridiculous. I, I did not expect to cry that much. All right, so anyway, uh, Wonder Woman, you know, is part of the DC Trinity, right? So there's Batman people and there's Superman people. I'm a Batman person. And the argument's usually just about those two, right? Just like it's usually Luke versus Han. But what about Leia and Wonder Woman? Although I don't like it's always the women who are this representing the same group. I think that the, being a Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman person are not gender specific, you know, divides. I think that anyone can be, can associate with any of these characters. I am a Batman Han person, but I gotta say, this movie made me appreciate what makes Wonder Woman special. And to finally really see why she's such an icon to feminists, the LGBT community, and peaceful activists, and has been so for decades. That was really amazing. I've always been in the Wonder Woman warrior camp, but, you know, again, I think I'm gonna come over to this one. It was just so compelling. Now, the movie is not perfect. It's hard to do something like this that's just such a, it's, it's a, it's a really bold move. And so I think that the script, all right, it's two things. First off, I don't think that it explains everything as well as it should, to be honest with you, which is another reason the film will benefit from multiple viewings. I was taken out of the film more than once trying to figure exactly what was going on. Like, I think a really good example of that are the logistics of Max's powers. Like I got, I caught on pretty fast, but not fast enough that I didn't actually, as I said, kind of find myself taken out of the movie being like, what? And then I quickly got it, thanks to Pedro Pascal's performance. We'll talk about him for sure. Uh, but then also, I think that this movie kind of shoehorned Cheetah in here because they felt they needed a traditional Wonder Woman comic book villain. Uh, Cheetah doesn't need to be in this movie. In fact, I would have preferred that she not be in it. Dr. Barbara Ann Minerva, yes, please. And I think that it would have been smarter to introduce her here because Dr. Minerva is important to the plot, to introduce her here and then have her transformation into Cheetah be the focus of the next movie. And that, you know, I think uh, Warner Brothers and DC movies, are, Warner Brothers DC movies are still a bit old school and that they feel if they introduce a character, they have to have that character become that famous uh, version of themselves from the source material right away. Whereas the competition, Marvel, is okay with introducing a character and not having that character pay off for, to not only, maybe sometimes not even the next movie, but like way down the line. Sometimes a little too far down the line. But still, I mean, look how long it's taken for Wanda to finally get her, her time in the sun. Uh, and I think I would have rather have waited for Cheetah to have it be done right. Because in any comic book movie, when you have more than one villain, you must always have the other ones shortchanged in favor of just one villain who gets the spotlight. I mean, the only exception I can think of is Batman Returns, but there the hero got shortchanged, which of course is also not acceptable. Wonder Woman 1984 is really about Diana and Max. Isn't that interesting? That didn't occur to me when I was watching the film, but when I thought about it afterwards, it hit me like a lightning bolt. I was like, it's Diana and Max, which is incredible to me. I think maybe, you know, Maxwell Lord on the surface, maybe they feel, maybe they felt he wasn't a good enough villain. He is the main villain of the movie. You know, I mean, when you watch the film, it's, it's really about Maxwell Lord. But I think, again, they didn't, they didn't need Cheetah. I think Max is so, we'll talk about it. I mean, Max is such a great character. But it's real, this movie's about Diana and Max, two people who are deeply unhappy. And boy, does the movie make you feel that. And they're driven to make bad choices as a result. And therefore, they also, and this is fascinating, ultimately understand each other. I cried for Diana 
but I also cried for Max. And where else but a Wonder Woman movie would you feel bad for the villain? It's amazing. And because they're two sides of the same coin, I would have wished they'd interacted more throughout the film. And again, it's because, uh, you know, Kristen Wiig's Barbara gets in the way. Not to say Wig doesn't have her moments. She has one brilliant scene while jogging that was incredibly powerful, even with, again, hardly any action in it. But I just couldn't believe how good that scene was. But when she shows up as Cheetah in the third act, there is no explanation as to why. I mean, Diana already has that famous line from the trailers, Barbara, what did you do? But she should have said, Barbara, why are you a Cheetah? I mean, again, it made absolutely no sense. We can't talk about it too much without giving away spoilers. But it was weird. And while the quick fight between Cheetah and Wonder Woman is thrilling, and for a moment seems right out of the comics, you realize, oh, that's so cool, she's fighting Cheetah. But it's very quick, you've seen most of it in the trailers, And while Cheetah is convincing in her physicality, very convincing, it was frustrating to me that, again, I didn't understand why she was a Cheetah. And two, she looks nothing like Kristen Wiig. So you don't really feel like it is Kristen Wiig. I mean, the face, it just, the face looks, like, why would her nose change? It made no sense to me. It was a little, that took me out of that as well. The other tiny thing that bothered me about Cheetah's story arc, and it's weird because this is a female director, but was the strong focus on looks and the ability to attract men being so important to a woman's self-worth. Now that's fine if Barbara made that initial assumption, but the movie never corrects it. Like, yeah, high heels are nice, but it's not pivotal to your self-worth that you'll be able to walk in them. That was weird. But anyway, also there are a lot of points in this movie where guys are painted in a pretty negative light. Get ready. But I think the movie balances that out with two amazing male characters. Wow! Maxwell Lord. He's not the Maxwell Lord from the comics, but I like this one much better. Especially because for those of us who do like the darker stories, like myself, oh, are you gonna be drawn to Max? He's a particularly amazing character, and his arc is not only incredible, but his powers are fascinating and narratively compelling, with lots of great nuances, not just in the script, but in Pedro Pascal's delivery. I just, his scenes in particular are ones that I, again, Max's and Diana's scenes are the ones that I really want to rewatch. So good. And Pascal just knocks it out of the park with his delivery, his whole performance, and we'll discuss it in the spoiler review. I was really impressed and surprised at how, really, I think he and Max, Maxwell Lord and Diana have the same, the same amount of screen time. I mean, and that's not at all indicated in the trailers. Then, of course, Steve Trevor. Oh, he's so great. He's not as big a part of the movie as he was in the first film, but he is back. And while Di- and this is interesting to me. Diana was a fish out of water in the first film, and it was played for comedic effect very effectively and endearingly. But here, Jenkins uses a different approach for Steve, which I think is very refreshing and perfect for the character. His reaction to the future is not played for laughs, but instead you see the awe in his eyes as to what mankind has accomplished, which is both very moving and very sad that someone who has so much appreciation for this didn't get to see it. Oh, Steve makes me cry every time. And he sacrificed himself so that these things could happen. I mean, okay, let's save the crying for the spoiler review. I mean... He's such a great guy, Chris Pine, Steve Trevor. I mean, he might not have Diana's powers, but he is truly her partner in life. Not just personally, 
But to see them in the field together again, again, albeit briefly, is magical. There is a scene between him and Diana that destroyed me. I was explaining it to a friend on the phone this morning, and it just made me burst into tears. And I wasn't even expecting it. I might be all cried out over it. I don't know. But I was not prepared for it. We'll discuss it in the spoiler review. Oh, my God. All right, so... As for Gal Gadot, she continues to be Wonder Woman. Now, there are a couple of scenes early on in the film opposite Kristen Wiig, which for some reason don't really work, and Gal Gadot doesn't come across as well in them. I don't understand how that could happen, because she did a perfect job in the first film in her scenes that were, you know, comedic. So I'm, and her scenes with everyone else are perfect. So again, I'm not quite sure why it didn't click there. I can't really talk too much about Diana's journey without spoilers, but I loved every second of it. I mean, again, some of those scenes at the beginning didn't click, but I mean, some of Diana's scenes, I can't say what they are without spoilers, but I, I just can't wait to see them again. They were so moving. I just can't believe how good they were. It was also a true thrill to see many elements of Wonder Woman's mythology and elements from the comics and the Linda Carter TV show brought to life in a big movie. It reminded me of the first time I finally got Captain America's shield in Winter Soldier. I was like, oh, maybe it's not stupid. And here I had that feeling a lot too. I was like, oh, maybe that element of Wonder Woman does work. I do get why it's cool. Oh, I love it. By the way, speaking of Linda Carter, I didn't see her in the movie. She's not the jogger. Um, I don't think she has a cameo in the film unless she's in the end credit scene that's being saved for release. Uh, it was not attached to any of the press screeners. And now let's talk about Patty Jenkins, who I also tweeted has grown exponentially as a director. While there isn't a ton of action in this movie, Jenkins can direct action. I mean, you've seen pretty much all the action sequences from the movie in the trailers, and most of the action sequence itself, except the opening in Themyscira, which is not only really well done and surprisingly long, but much grander than I expected. I was like, wow, it was like something out of a Disney princess movie. It was amazing. I needs me a Themyscira show, which Patty Jenkins has been talking about doing. And it no longer makes sense for other Amazons to continue to hide away while only Wonder Woman fights in the real world. And I'm so glad that uh, more Amazons are starting to emerge in comics and TV. In my initial reaction, I also said that Jenkins goes full Donner, as in Richard Donner, who directed the first Superman movie. And the best way I can describe this without spoilers is to say, you know that famous scene where Lois and Superman first meet? Patty Jenkins is able to have that same level of awe and magic for full two and a half hours. It's incredible. Those visuals, the emotions, the wonder, and Hans Zimmer's amazing score, again, make up for the, a, lot of the, a lot of the lack of action. You're like, why is this scene with dialogue so thrilling? Why is this scene about emotion have me on the edge of my seat? I'm crying so much. I'm so excited. I'm blown away. Those things all still happen. It's incredible. Finally, you'll also notice that the film has a definite cartoonishness to it. A totally valid choice, but a surprising one, especially since, again, that first film was like a total 180. That, you know, the 2017 film was grounded in realism, and a lot of us really took to that. So it's almost like a whiplash feel at the beginning of the movie in particular to readjust to something that's grounded in fantasy. You know, again, it's very cartoonish. One example, without spoilers, is that Wonder Woman can change into her metal bustier in a, in, in a scene in the time it takes to go from one cut to the next, right? Just in, in, in the span of a cut. She's like, I'll, I'll do it and, in her regular clothes. And then in the next 
shot. She ha- she's fully in costume. And I guess they're trying to say she had the metal bustier on underneath her clothes, but there's no way that she did. So you just can't allow yourself to get tripped up by stuff like that, or it's going to take you out of the movie. Also, her lasso seems to have a mind of its own, like it can wrap itself up and it can do other stuff that we've never seen it do before. And it totally, you know, kind of doesn't totally make sense. But again, you just have to go with it. Just like Wonder Woman's insistence on playing defense. This is who the character is. And I think that you just have to embrace that. And I think that's interesting. That's kind of like, you know, it's very, that that letting go is like very much, you know, with in, in, in step with Wonder Woman. So I, I'm curious to see if maybe pe- this movie might appeal even beyond comic book fandom because of that element to it. it. It's really, as I said, it's a risky, bold, exciting move. It's a very brave film. And I applaud not only Patty Jenkins for making it, but for Wonder Woman for signing off, signing off on it as well. So yes, again, and I also think that maybe this is the movie that we need right now, you know, as we're so divided. Although, again, I can't talk about it with spoilers, but you know, I think the film has a very rosy look at the at how people are. I don't I don't know if that's totally true, but again, I'm a Batman person. I'm a Batman person. <laughs> so that's that's you know that 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 colors how I see everything. All right, so I do think, though, even as a Batman person, that Wonder Woman 1984 is an excellent, compassionate, and again, very brave film, and quite timely as to where we are right now. That's my review. Stay tuned for the spoiler review. Keep your spoiler comments off of this video. Save them for that one. Share your thoughts, but share those thoughts down below. Subscribe today, and of course, as always, you can check out some more videos right now.